Good morning. Just listening to that video, it feels like an alien kind of talking to you, you know, like, good morning, humans. <laughs> that spirit has come to Oikos. So that is actually, in preparing for this sermon, that sense is actually what I feel when I read through Acts 1 and 2 and really thought about what was happening when the Spirit came. What was really taking place? Was it something familiar that we all know, that we've been through before? Or was it something supernatural? Something extraterrestrial? Something not of this world inhabiting our world? without any, uh, what's it called, permission. <laughs> Just boom, I'm here, people of earth. I feel like that's what the Spirit did on that day of Pentecost. So as I get into the sermon today, I want us to think about just what would it be like to be encountered by something very different from ourselves, that does not ask for permission to radically shake up our lives. John 16, 7 through 8 says, Jesus said it, but in fact, it is best for you, the disciples, that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. And so this is actually, these were comforting words that Jesus said. Think about that. But when you hear that verse, I don't know when you think of judgment, how many of you feel comfort for that? No, not me. When you hear the word conviction, is that a comforting word? It's not. But Jesus was talking to the disciples in this moment, comforting them in a moment of distress, saying, I'm going to bring the advocate. Another word for it is the counselor. Uh, uh, the Greek word is a paraclete, someone that's there for you. But they're going to convict you. He's going to convict you. He's going to bring uncomfortable moments. Before I go further, I want to pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just praise you for this morning. We thank you for Pentecost. We thank you for coming to us, interrupting our lives on this day thousands of years ago, coming to the disciples, shaking up everything without permission to bring something new, to bring something that our worldliness can never, ever refabricate or create on its own. And we know that this changed the world forever. So may we feel this this morning, and we feel your spirit, like the beautiful worship was saying this morning. May you continue to inhabit us, but may you not just comfort us, but may you really shake us up to do something that we would never do if not for you. Amen. So I got to confess again, I'm a nerd, as you know, I superheroes. I haven't shared 
a superhero analogy in a while, so I'm going to share it right now. So if you watch the movie Man of Steel, the, the not-so-good Marvel movie, movie for DC. Whoa, I'm sorry, Arthur. Whoa, that's fascinating me. DC that came out that some people liked where Superman is entering the world and people are freaking out. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle him. And they call him the Superman because he's something not that they can understand. And he doesn't understand himself either. He's trying to figure out who he is. But the world, because of they don't really know who he is and they see how powerful he is and how much he's going to disrupt everything in their world, they try to, they try to shackle him. They try to contain him. And there is a moment in the movie where he allows them to arrest him. Who's seen that part? You know? and he's walking with the soldiers, and you, it's kind of comical. Like He's just kind of walking. You know he can just break out of there any moment. And when they're interviewing him, when the general's interviewing him, he just says, he just breaks the chains and says, you can't control me, but what I am is good. And I believe that was the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. We can't control him. He's going to interrupt our lives, and we're going to want to do things, make laws, make rules, make religious activities to shackle him in. But he can't be controlled. But he's good. So Pentecost is when this happened. The real Superman came to earth that day and shook everything up. So what is Pentecost? What does that word mean, and why did the Holy Spirit choose that day? So Pentecost means in Greek, Pentecoste. And it means the 50th day. So on the 50th day of the celebration of Passover, the Holy Spirit decided to really shake things up. And I think we need to really think about that for a moment. Why the 50th day and why Passover? So disciples weren't just hanging out for, for no reason. There was a festival going on that lasted a long time. And on the 50th day on that festival, the Holy Spirit decided to show up and shake things up. For one thing, I want us to think about the fact that Jewish peoples took a long time to celebrate stuff. <laughs> they like to partay, okay? It wasn't just one day or one week, but 50 at this point. As Americans, what does it say about our culture if we were more like that? How many of you wait like forever for Christmas? Still now as a grown adult. Victor, right? I, like we get hardly no presents anymore as grown adults. We get one or two, but we still like long for Christmas, right? And all the Lexus commercials get you really excited for it too, right? <laughs> and then, you know, you get bombarded with it and then you're like, can this just happen already? And then on that one day, you scramble, you scramble for a sense of the actual meaning of Christmas, right? Where it's about Christ and holiness and meaning beyond meaning for eternity. And then it's over, like next morning. It's over. 
People are moving on for New Year's, woo, right? We don't rest in things as Americans. We don't let things last. We don't celebrate for a long time. We don't allow things to really encounter us, to really affect us. Even our birthdays, it's just one day. Unless you're Ken Rogers, it's a whole month. <laughs> Ken gets it. What if we were more like the Jews? They didn't just celebrate, by the way, for a long time. They also mourned for a long time. When bad things happened, they spent like at least a week or two with family, and they stayed together, and they cried for a long time. It was okay to go through things. So I belabor this because I think it's really important. I think it's important that when Jesus said to wait for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't just come the next minute. Wait, he's there. He didn't just come the next day. It was like over a month and a half later, at least. I mean, a long time later, to the point where maybe they, maybe you would have been tempted to forget that Jesus said that. Nope, he came. What would it mean to really have a Pentecost, to when we're willing to wait as long as it takes for the Spirit to speak to us? Knowing that it's all about surrender, that when he did finally decide to show up, he didn't give an announcement beforehand. He just showed up, and it changed things forever. We need to wait for good things. We need to wait for the Spirit to come, even if it takes 50 days or longer. This is what Jesus says to the disciples when he descended from heaven, and they reward for it. When the Spirit arrived, he was God confronting the world and their worldliness. When he finally came after a long time, he came in confronting, changing things. Let's start in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It says, in my first book I told you, this is Luke speaking to Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John the Baptist with water, baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom?" So Jesus told them to wait and that what I promised you will happen. And only then will you be ready to do what I said. Before the Spirit arrived, the disciples were very earthly focused. As you can see in the last verse, they said, Lord, has the time come for you to free 
Israel and to restore our kingdom? Hold up there. Whose kingdom is it? Is it ours or is it Jesus's? Is it God's kingdom or is it our kingdom? It's God's kingdom. So what are they talking about? You see, we are worldly people. We struggle. I struggle with really understanding what God wants to do with my life. I do all the time. Every day I wake up, I'm like, okay, what, is, what do I do? What do I do as a black male? What do I do as Howard? What do I do as a Texan? What do I do as a Christian? Not a Texans fan. <laughs> but what do I do? I start making these plans out, you know? And they're very much my plans for my kingdom and my life. But what Jesus was really wanting the disciples to see, and he didn't tell them, I guess, they're like, oh, he's like, oh, your kingdom, okay. You'll see when the Holy Spirit comes, it's my kingdom. I got something that I want to do. And are you willing to surrender to it? Because if you do, it's going to be good. But it's not going to be our kingdom, it's the Lord's. And it's ours as we walk with the Lord. Amen? It's ours as we let him take over our world, take over our life, become Lord of what we do. Then, and only then, is it ours. So I was at the chiropractor. I go there all the time. I go there about once a week. And He's a really cool man. He, I've seen his business grow from nothing to now. He's got TVs everywhere and laid down wood floors. I mean, there was like nothing but like linoleum floors at first, all right? And there was nothing cool in this place. It was just a place with some old stale beds that he popped me up on and popped my neck on. But now it's a really cool looking spot. It's attractive to look at. But he's a very practical man. He's a very competent person. And he, he always knows exactly how to pop me. He doesn't, I have to tell him, okay, you need to turn my hips because my hips sore, and you need to do my neck because my neck's sore. I come in, I sit down, and he just pop, 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 pop. And then I'm done in like two minutes. He has me memorized. He knows me. But you know what? Because I'm sinful, almost every time when he sits me down in that chair, he grabs my neck with his hands, and they're strong, hands that I know can do some damage to my neck. I tense up every time. Every time I tense up. He's a professional. His name is Dr. But I still don't fully trust and surrender to the doctor. And I feel it. Like, he has to do it a little bit, and then I have to tell myself, surrender, let him do it, let him yank my neck. And I let go, and he does it, and it, it pops. And I feel good. But there are some times when I just, I won't let him do it, and he, he can't pop my neck as well as it should. And he just stops. He doesn't force it. He just lets my neck go. 
and he says, all right, we're done. And I know in my heart he's, he did that because I didn't want to surrender to the activity. And so I actually have left the chiropractor many times and said, all right, next time you need to just really let him do it. And when I do, my back and my neck feel real good. It takes 49 days. It took 49 days. I think it was 49 days because maybe it took that long for disciples to be ready. Maybe the first couple of days they were freaking out. What do we do? He's gone. We're, we're dead meat. We're fish in a barrel. Whatever that means. Or apples in a barrel, right? Bob and apples. We are marked men and women. So after that, maybe they calmed down and they were able to then say, Lord, we need you. And so then on the 50th day, the Spirit came. And when he came, this is what happened. Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came came running, and they were bewildered to hear other, their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we, are, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are from, Peth, from the Parthenons, Medes, Calamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Parogia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, the Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, that's just drunk. They're just drunk. That's all. So I wrote, I wanted to say all of where they're from to really just let us see that this is a pretty diverse crowd. All right. It's like, I don't know, everyone in Houston (laughs) from different parts of the world living together. If this church was filled with people from parts of Africa and Asia and India and Middle East, which Houston is a very diverse city. It's like all of them right now hearing this message and them being able to hear it. Some of them, however, thought they were drunk. Some of them did not really believe that they were actually speaking an actual language, and they were confused. Yet others heard the gospel, and they were amazed. How is that possible? 
So the question remains, if, there were, if they were speaking only human languages, then why were some able to understand them while others dismissed them as drunks? What was going on there? I really think that part of it was because, well, if you have people of different languages speaking together, it's just going to sound really confusing, right? I mean, you have disciples all speaking different languages, then that would be hard to decipher. It would look crazy. So if one person was speaking English to me, but 10 others were speaking other languages, I would probably, it would get mixed up in, in everything. I probably would say, you know what? Okay, this is, uh, they're all drunk. They're all lit, as they say. <laughs> but I think something else was going on. I think that the people who were receptive to hearing the Holy Spirit speak, heard the Holy Spirit speak. I think that something supernatural did happen and that the people were able to focus in and not be distracted by what could have been seen as gibberish and they heard the word of God. They heard God speak to them and they responded to it. Because that's the only thing that happens when the Holy Spirit moves. You are able to hear him and you respond. So in thinking about how this looks, knowing that this is kind of hard to imagine this today, I thought of the toddler effect. Kids, toddlers. So there are many times when I look at toddlers and kids playing and I just kind of ignore them, I confess. I just ignore what they do. I'm like, ah, they're just saying gibberish. And they're going to cry in a moment. <laughs> and their parents are going to get them and then they're going to go away or something. I kind of dismiss kids. But there are times when I really feel like God is saying, you need to really listen to what's happening. Listen beyond what you think is the gibberish and hear what the kids are saying. Look at what they're doing. And when I do that, I hear something from God. I hear a word. I hear something clear. And it speaks to me. It changes me. It moves me in a way that I didn't hear before. It may be, your breath smells bad. (laughs) Or it may be, I love you. Or maybe I'm seeing two humans before they're adults interact in a very natural way. And it reminds me of how we should all be before we get adult. And I see God. I think that that's what happens when God is trying to speak to us. A lot of gibberish can get in the way. Sounds, music, thoughts in our head, memories, plans, to-do lists, to where God just kind of continuously gets put on the back burner. And then we end up not really being able to hear from God at all. How many of you have a hard time hearing from God on a daily basis? Me too. How many of us who have a hard time hearing from God would say it's because we're very busy people? Yeah. Busy physically, active, important people. And that makes it hard. 
right? How many of us think that it's hard to hear from God because our minds are very active all the time and we have so many thoughts going on? Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's where God interrupts. That's why it took 50 days. That's why we have to go on a retreat sometimes with God to hear him because we're just so dang busy, right? We need to get away. We need to spend more time, more energy to hear from God. So again, with toddlers, on my birthday, I heard from God again. Jason Phelps, Jason sent me a little video on my birthday. And it was him and Ashley and their children, and they were at lunch. They're like, whoa, you're, you're talking about me? <laughs> they were having a meal, and it was just them saying happy birthday to me. And Bubba Porter said, happy birthday, how are Just like that. And Liana said it, and everybody else said it. And I really choked up watching that, watching that little video. Because in that video, I heard the Holy Spirit say, you're loved. You have a family that knows you were born and they care about it. And they're not just your parents in Tennessee. I love them too. So I'm from. But they're here. And you have children and they, and they know you. The Holy Spirit spoke to me through that moment. But it took the willingness to listen. It took a Pentecost moment. It took God breaking in. See, the events of Pentecost was indeed a miracle. But speaking God's truth and people responding to it happens every time we decide to listen to the Spirit and respond to what it says. So there's a lot of, you know, there are, there are spiritual movements that came out of this text. There are churches that have doctrine that demand it be done a certain way from this text. And that's fine. But when you read the book of Acts and you see what happened, the essence of Pentecost is simply God saying, if you let me in, if you take that time and you work on it and you surrender to me, you're going to hear me speak to you and you're going to have a word to share with somebody else. And they're going to hear that word. It don't matter how many, how many bridges are between you. It don't matter what race they are. It don't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how many generational gaps there are. They're going to hear you. They're going to hear the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit spoke. It happens all the time. So when it happened in the book of Acts, Peter spoke. Surprise, right? He always speaks. And Peter said this, and he said a huge sermon that was so long, I couldn't share it all, but he said this part I want to focus on. Acts 2, verse 14 through 18. He said, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. It's funny. No, 
what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In these days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And so what happened at Pentecost seems so special, and it might make us uncomfortable, but it's what happens when the Spirit enters your life. You begin to prophesy, and it was prophesied in the, in the, in the Scriptures, and it happened then. And it happens all the time today, because we're in the last days. We are in the last days now. So the Word says that old and young people will prophesy. Jesus died. He rose from the grave. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will return. So that puts us in the final days right now. You follow? And so in these days, we are supposed to prophesy. It's not just something happened 2,000 years ago. It's happening. It's supposed to happen right now. All right, so who's doing it? Who's prophesying? Jason's prophesying. My wife did. Pastor Aaron does all the time. Who else is prophesying? When prophesying? I'm prophesying right now. Prophecy is when you hear the word and you share the word. It's when you hear God speak to you and you share what God says. It's not, just, it's not some dark magic and soothsaying. You're going to leave here at church and you're going to have indigestion at, at, at 11.45 and you're going to burp twice. That's not what it is. It's just hearing what God says. Like, sorry, but you're like, what? It's hearing what God says and saying it. And that word has to be good. It has to be the word of God. When you hear it, you need to hear, man, this is hard maybe. This is interrupting my life right now. This is uncomfortable. This is awkward. But man, this is some good stuff. This is from the Holy Spirit. This is from God. Every prophecy is good and comes from God. First, sorry, not first. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This is what we say when the Spirit is speaking to us, when we allow the Spirit to speak to us. We say good words. They may not sound good. They may not feel good. They may be awkward, but we say truth to people. We say the Word of God to people. So are you prophesying? Are we prophesying? Here's some practical questions. When was the last time you even heard this, the Spirit speak to you? Like I asked before. Just think about that. What happened when that happened? When was the last time you shared what you heard from God in that time with someone else? When was the last time 
you, we, I, us, waited patiently, patiently for the Spirit to speak, even painfully. Have you been willing to work for God to speak? Even go through some discomfort for God to speak? A long time, a Pentecost of time for God to speak. When was the last time we simply read the scripture, prayed, waited, thought about it, waited some more, thought about some more, until God said something? And we quieted this, and we quieted this, until God said something. Surrender to it. Are we willing to even, and this is an old practice, I think Christians don't do this as much as we used to, but meditate and fast. There's actually something that, you can think about this, but the, the, the ancient church did that a lot. When you read scripture, you see a lot of times that people fasted and meditated. I mean, like, it's all over the Old Testament and Scripture. People fasted and meditated all the time. But when was the last time you heard a friend say, hey, Bill, hey Bob, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing all right. I fasted and meditated today. I've been fasting not to get a smaller tummy or go on a keto diet or, you know, whatever, but because you want to receive the Spirit's word, because you want God. It's a practice that I think we've lost or that isn't as common as it used to be. When was the last time we did that? We just surrendered for that time that the Lord is ready to interrupt us. Even if it takes a long time, even if it takes 50 days. Because when that happens, you will feel the power of the Lord when God speaks to us, it gives us something that motivates and encourages and fuels our day. How many of us read a devotional every morning? How many of you guys read the Moravian? Yeah. When you read it, is it not true that it empowers you and gives you strength for the day? Amen? Yeah. Do you not feel the fire of God after you read the Moravian? Amen. That is what God wants us to do. Even if it takes longer than a few minutes or seconds. Because honestly, here's why. There are people around us that need to hear the word of God. They need to hear God's truth. And they're, they're, our, they're in our families. And they're, they're our children that we gave birth to. And they're our wives that deal with our crap, and there are husbands, and there are co-workers. You feel what I'm saying here? They're the people that we see every day in our everyday lives. They need to hear the word of God. They need to hear the church prophesy. They need to hear God's children speak his truth. But us, his children, we need to let him do it. We need to give him time to interrupt us, to disrupt us, to make us uncomfortable 
to give us that word to share. Peter said that in the last days we would prophesy. So I just asked again the last question, what would it be like to be a prophesying church, a church that prophesied? An oikos that prophesied. What would it be like? Who would be blessed today? It's like we walk to someone right now. It's like Victor. Man, hey, this has been on my heart for a long time, and I just want to say it because God's been telling me for a long time to say it, but I've been too afraid to say it, so here we go. I'm going to say it right now. Boom. Receive that, brother, in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. What would that be like if we did that? Who would be in this building right now that's not here, right? Who would, have, who would leave now today released from burdens that are coming here with burdens right now? In the last days, God's children, old children too, and young, will prophesy. They will share his word. We are good enough to be that. We are his children we can be used by the Lord that way. God can use you to share his word. All it takes is being willing to surrender to him and let him speak. So who is in need of God's word in your life? Are you willing to wait to receive God's word from the spirit in order to share it with others? That's the question. If you haven't, I've said it like over and over again. <laughs> Are we willing to do that? And what deliverance can happen? What growth can happen? What redemption can happen? What healing can happen as we as the Oikos family do that? Now, guess what? You already are doing that to a point. Because you're here at church hearing me talk. <laughs> you're here because the Spirit led you to be here. Even if it meant someone nags you to come, you're here. You're here because the Spirit led you. So what is the Spirit saying to empower you to go out and prophesy? So I'm encouraging us to do it. I'm encouraging me to do it regularly, to not cower, but to actually speak to those that I care about, about things that are hard. Because I believe that the Spirit of God has things to say to every single one of us because he has someone in our life that he wants to minister to. He's just waiting for us to let him descend upon us and to give us his word, to give us his tongues so we can share his word with people that we love and let them receive the deliverance and healing. When this happened then, the church that was as small as a group of people in a room grew to 300-plus people because they were hearing God's word, and they shared it until they grew. And I believe that that will happen today or any day when we do the same thing. So I encourage all of us, and I encourage myself, on this day of Pentecost, will we receive the Spirit today?
where we let him come down upon us and not try to control him, not try to give him the rules, try to give him the direction. We let him do with us as he pleases so that he can give us a powerful word that can encourage and free people in our lives. Sound good? Amen. Amen. Let us prophesy. Let me pray. Father God, we praise you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you've given us on that day. That it took a time, it took 50 days, and then you came. And you changed everything. On that day, you gave the disciples a word to share that infected and impacted the hearts of so many and moved them to repent of their sins. And we praise you, Lord Jesus, that all of this was possible only because you died and rose from the grave to give us access to the Father, to send the Holy Spirit, to allow us to be used as your vessels. May we believe that we are good enough because of your redemptive love on the cross and resurrection to be used as your vessels, to be used to move and be a part and to extend the kingdom of God. And may we be willing to take as long as it takes, be as uncomfortable as, it ta- as we need to be, to wait as long as we need to wait in our times, in our days, with our loved ones, in our work, in our jobs, to allow you to speak to us. And may we, in that moment, with boldness, share your truth so that we may see your kingdom. We pray all this in thankfulness, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.